Buongiorno! Welcome to the podcast! <laughs> I want to try that again. That wasn't very good. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 buongiorno's right, though, right? That's, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, buongiorno. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I just, I just, I just made me chuckle. Sorry. Uh, right. Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Buongiorno! Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. That's a fabulous welcome there, Casey, for our episode today. I know. I'm so excited. You know, we're, we're reviewing. This is our second movie review. It's really our fourth, like, movie slash Disney Plus review in a row. I mean, we went from Black Widow to Loki to Ryan the Last Dragon, and then now we've got Luca. You know, we've been infusing a little bit of Disney magic into into what was really kind of heavily Star Wars and Marvel there for a bit, and so I'm I'm excited. We we we're, we're talking about Luca today, but before we do that, Disney has dropped probably the biggest, I would say, bomb, the biggest like craziness, the biggest announcement they've had in a while, putting out a bunch of information, including a 19 minute roundtable discussion with the Imagineers, I don't know if you watched it or not, regarding the Galactic Star Cruiser. Yeah, and we referenced this, I don't remember what episode we referenced this on, but I know we've talked about the Star Wars Hotel before, mm-hmm. and this is what this is. So, I mean, for, for those of you that uh, you know don't know what we're talking about, there Disney is creating a Star Wars Hotel that puts you into a Star Wars story, and it is a completely immersive experience, so you feel like you are on a two-day voyage through space. Yes. And so, you know, you get to stop at Batu and do Rise of the Resistance and and the Smuggler's Run and do some things around Galaxy's Edge. And, and they released a ton of itinerary of here's what you'll do. And uh, it, it, it's, it, it got really... And pictures of food and, like, blue shrimp was clearly the thing that was uh, blown up <laughs> with the internet from the Disney Parks uh, sphere. So... Uh, yeah, yeah. A, sam- a sample itinerary that they put on here. Day one, you arrive at the terminal ter- ter- uh, terminal by 1 p.m. Then you launch pad up to the Star Cruiser. You get oriented to the ship. You basically can light refreshments. You learn Sabacc. Um, you get a captain's reception dinner with live music. Then there's the basically there's like. There's like the pre-programmed stuff, which is like the typical cruise stuff. And then there's the, they put it in here, an unexpected story moment. For example, you might prove your mettle to join an elite smuggling ring or hide a stowaway to help help the resistance. And as you go along, you can choose to interact as much or as little as you want. And what it's going to do is influence what ultimately happens to you when you do visit Batu on day number two. So you'll be traveling and, and you visit Batu and you get to experience Rise of the Resistance as well as Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run. Um, did you watch the 19-minute the roundtable? I didn't watch the full thing. I watched kind of bits and pieces of it. I would highly recommend it. I would highly recommend watching it. I mean, it does a really good job of just pointing out you know it doesn't spoil anything but they really talk about how when it's done right you don't see the the behind the scenes of how they make it all work and how there's different layers of your interaction over here and how it will affect your interaction over here etc yeah and really you know my big thing and i still have this to a point is when when this was you know being announced i was like the amount of money this is going to cost me 
is going to be more than a week-long Disney vacation. And so why would I not, while I am a Star Wars fan, why would I not take my money and do a week-long Disney vacation? But I will say, now that I have seen more information on it and seen the pricing, I didn't think it was that outrageous, to be completely honest with you. Like, it, it's a it's an immersive experience. Like, I mean, this is not going to be a $60 a night motel. Like, this is a complete immersive two-day thing. So it makes sense that it's pricier. It's going to be something that you can kind of save up for. But I didn't think it was that outrageous. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I know the internet has been exposed loading with with like oh my god it's just way too expensive so i'm looking at the pricing right now so they've got um prices starting from this is for voyages that start next august through next september um if it's just two people in a cabin it's 1209 per night per guest or 4809 for the voyage total for for both people um three guests per cabin which would be two adults one child would be eight eighty nine per guest per night, or fifty two ninety nine for the voyage total, and then four guests per cabin, three adults, one child. Which presumably that would be kind of like a two parents, a teenager, and a child under age twelve or something, right? Seven forty nine per night per guest, or fifty nine ninety nine voyage total. But here's the thing, and I'm with you on this. It's all inclusive, right? So. It, for somebody, I agree with you. I mean, you could take that money and and have an amazing um, Disney vacation for a week long. I, I absolutely agree with you on that. But this is all inclusive. This, you know, there, you don't pay anything extra for any of the food. You don't pay anything extra for any of the experiences. All the experiences are in there. You don't you have to, to wake take, up to do boarding passes. You, no, you are on rise of the resistance. Exactly. In fact, you're probably in a. Um, from what it sounds like with that round table, the rise of the resistance experience that you're going to have and the Millennium Falcons experience you're going to have is different than you would have if you were just a regular Disney guest. So for that reason, and then there's all the character interactions that you have on the ship. There's the, um, the ability to build a lightsaber and, and stuff like all that's included, right? So, you know, when you do the math, if you, again, if you figure... You know, the most expensive per night would be the twelve oh nine per night per guest, right? So it's a two night stay. It's a really kind of a two day, two night stay. You break that down, twelve oh nine, you know, per guest per day, you know, over the twenty four hour experience, you're basically paying fifty dollars an hour to have people entertain you. I mean, and that includes your food. That includes. I get it. It, it is expensive for someone if 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 Star Wars is not a hundred percent your thing. But for the person who's been to Disney World a hundred times over and they want something different, this gives them the ability to do something different. And it's either going to fail tremendously because people won't pay the price or it will be booked from here to eternity. Oh, that, that's what I'm worried about, honestly, is I'm never going to be able to go on it because I, it's going to be booked till eternity. People are going to pay that price. I agree. They um, will. They'll pay more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I think this is just the starting. So, yeah, there's there's I, I definitely am now in camp of I'd love to do one. Um, and I think I was I was absolutely in that camp. And ultimately, this should be an experience that you should save up for. Mm -hmm. Like I, the the idea that an experience has to be affordable enough for me to go like every year, or three times a year is is not correct, in my opinion. 
Well, and one thing I want to add to this, a regular Disney cruise, and this is these are 2019 prices, so they've probably gone up, but a regular Disney cruise runs $326 a night. So about half the cost of that four guests per cabin amount, so $329. But you're not getting the, you're not, yeah, you got the all-inclusive food, don't get me wrong, but you're not getting the full immersive themed entertainment from start to finish. I mean, you are truly being... I guess ultimately what it boils down to is this. Will Disney be able to deliver on that promise? Will they be able Mm -hmm. to deliver on that promise? Because they've done this whole all-inclusive concept in places like Pandora. But as you've noticed, as Pandora has grown, a lot of that all-inclusiveness, that that immersion has slowly faded away. And you start to see some of the Disney Parks product filter itself onto Pandora, right? Galaxy's Edge. I, you know, I, I did the Star Wars celebration at Galaxy's Edge and everything that was supposed to be sold at Galaxy's Edge was supposed to be 100% exclusive. You could only get it on Batuu. You couldn't find it on Shop Disney. You couldn't find it anywhere else. Well, then they just did this thing with Target a couple months ago where they released, you know, being imported from Batuu, Galaxy's Edge, all this stuff that you could have only gotten there. Now, part of that was probably due to the pandemic and they were yes. selling loads of merchandise. So it really is going to depend. Can Disney hold this up as an all-immersive experience? Well, because this is a two-day, for all intents and purposes, it's a two-day interactive show. Yeah, Like, it's a Star Wars show that you have to improv with guests around you and make them a part of the story. Like, it, it is a tall, tall order. Now, that's not to say that I don't think that Disney can do it, but... Yeah, I mean, requires a different level of of yeah. (laughs) This is like this is this is that's this is a tough thing. Uh, Something that has never been immersive shows and things like that have been done, but not for this long. They're like you know, if you've ever been to like a murder mystery before, you know, when I was in high school, we did a we did a murder mystery. It was really cool, right? We did a murder mystery. It was called the Great High School Who Done It, and I played a principal in in this show, and all the the attendees were students. So they were my students. And so I had to interact with them. So if they were running through the halls to find clues, I had to tell them to stop running through the halls and give them a, a, you know, a detention slip or something, you know, for two or three hours, you can do that 24 hours for, you know, 48 hours straight. I mean, that, that's a lot. And the way the round table was discussing it was, you know, not everyone's going to have the same experience. You might help a particular character do a particular thing because you found the character by exploring in this one random room and you opened the door and there he is. Someone else may not even know he's in there. So that's the kind of stuff. I mean, I, I, I see why it's priced the way it's priced. And I think you said it best, Matt, just a moment ago. It's not meant to be an every year thing. This is a, you do it, you do it once, maybe once a, you know, every couple, maybe every five or six years, if you really want to push it, but like you do it, you do it and you say, I, I went to space. That, that's really what this is all about. You know? Yeah. yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see next year, the first reviews that come out of it. It really will be. I mean, cause that's going to determine its fate to be honest with you. Cause I, I think if this is successful, then I think we're going to see some more of this. Oh, um, sky's the limit. Around Marvel. Um, sky's absolutely the limit. I, I, I mean, in Avengers Campus, you know, they seem to be doing some pretty pretty good over there right now. I don't know if you've seen a lot of the images or stuff coming out of that. Oh, the, the, the fact that after every episode of Loki, they have a new Loki 
that comes out. Like, so it was before Loki premiered, it was just like classic Loki. Mm-hmm. The day after the first episode drops, he's in his TVA uniform. The yep. day after that, he's in the, like it, it was it was insane how awesome it was to like you could watch the episode that day and go to the park and meet that Loki. When That's he was just, in his vote Loki outfit. I thought that yeah, was great. Yeah, it was that like it's been and and I mean all the all the food and stuff like that. All the pictures off of Vendor, Avengers Campus are look fabulous. I can't wait to get out there at some point. I really can. Um, speaking of getting out to the parks, I am really excited. I shared this with you yesterday, but I'm sharing with our audience. I am going to Walt Disney World in November. Um, I'm actually going down. Um, you guys all know friend of the pod, Lou Mangello. He was on the show last year. He runs the WDW pod, WDW radio podcast and WDW radio. Um, he has had for several years, something called the momentum conference. Uh, it's a workshop of 50 people, creative people who, uh, entrepreneurs, hobbyists, um, people who want to make their dreams come true. Basically like-minded people sit in a room for two days and listen to experts and talk and collaborate on how they can do these things and, and, and make them better. I'm kind of excited because I think I can take some of the stuff that I'm going to learn and apply it to our podcast, which I'm wonderful really pumped about. Um, of course, in my career as well. Um, but anyway, I'm going down. So in November, but one of the benefits is this is being held at the Hilton Orlando right on property right across from Disney Springs. So I'm like, well, I got a couple of comp tickets left from when I was a cast member. Let's those expire in December. See if I can get a couple more. Um, and let's make a trip out of it. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going down in November, uh, November 11th through the 16th, going to do the, do the conference, hit up um, Magic Kingdom, Epcot, and probably uh, Hollywood Studios while I'm down there. Probably skip Animal Kingdom unless I park hop over there later at night. Um, but I'm really excited. And this will be my first time going, I don't want to say it's the first time, second time going to Disney World where I'm not technically staying in a Disney hotel. I'm still on Disney property. I'm right across mm-hmm. the, the way from Disney Springs, but I'm not in a, a Disney hotel. So we could record a podcast while I'm down there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I would really love to see spot. if I can. I'm going to sneak in your suitcase and just there come you along. Go. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely it's definitely a little bit costly. I mean, not being a cast member anymore, you don't get all those perks. But yeah. No, it, I, I'm, I've been telling people like, I, I mean, I've been saying this on the pod for the last year and a half that mm-hmm. I've been dying to get down there. And I know that I will like that. That's part of it. What makes me feel better is it's like, okay, I'm, it's not like I'm never going to Disney world exactly. ever again in my life. <laughs> I think for me, it was like, I wanted to make sure I could use these comp tickets. Cause yeah, they, yeah. They absolutely. In December, I'm like, you know, that's like $125 a piece when you think about it. Right. So that's, you know, I'm like, okay, I can use those. You know, and flights right now are cheap. Speaking of which, just pricing wise, they have announced. Um, so Disneyland announced their new Magic Key program. I saw that, um, which is really interesting. Different layers. It's it's basically annual pass, but called something different. But hidden in the fine print, they announced that Walt Disney World was bringing back their annual passes before the October first. And I've been contemplating ever since leaving, um, whether I was going to do an annual pass. And, you know, in my mind, I can afford, you know, the ability to, you know, do a hundred dollars a month towards annual pass or whatever. And, and then flights right now are just so friggin' cheap. Like I got a round trip from O'Hare, 260 bucks on United. Wow. I mean, you can't beat that. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's really cheap. <laughs> that's what I would do. That's what I used to fly when I was flying to Detroit to go see my family when I was yeah. in Detroit. So but anyway, I'll report back everything that's down there. I'm excited Wonderful. to see some stuff. So 
Man, it's you know we 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 the one thing I love about these uh, long, a little bit longer episodes weekly is now that all this news is coming out, we have time to kind of cover it a yeah, little bit. So absolutely. Um, so we are as as we said at the beginning, you know, this is the run of new, 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 and so we're kind of wrapping up our 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 whole month of new with uh, Luca the movie that another COVID delayed movie that was supposed to come out in theaters and then got delayed. And then they decided, you know what, similar to what happened to soul, they just decided let's throw this thing just on Disney plus no premiere access, which Mm -hmm. I I think is a smart idea for a movie like this. Uh, And, and so I think what June or something like mid June, it came out. Yeah, It came out um, June 3rd, I'm sorry, June 13th um, at the Aquarium of Genoa. So it was released there. And then June 18th in the United States. Okay. Yeah. So uh, so June 18th, it came out. And I think I watched it the day after it came out. Um, and so as always, you know, kind of we, we like to go through first impressions. And I I want, I you know, Casey has is, is been on this pod of he is not a real Pixar guy. No. And I think this is a very Pixar movie. And I don't know if that that makes sense, but I feel like this movie is just like it it oozes just the the DNA of Pixar. And so I'm really curious what you thought of this movie. So, you know, it's funny you say that because as I was watching it, you absolutely oozes Pixar. And I remember saying that to my son, like this has got a Pixar vibe to it. In fact, it's funny when I went to go find it, I first looked under Disney and I couldn't find it. And I flipped back and saw it was under Pixar. It's like, okay, so I know it's Pixar. Um, the animation style is very much Pixar. In fact, looking at it, um, the, the, the animated, the animation style was purposely drawn or, or digitally done, I should say, to be a little bit less detailed. You can see it in the mouth style. I, I read that. Um, I think what's different about this one, when I think about some of the Pixar movies that we've had, the last couple soul was very meta right inside out inside out was very meta what what are some of the other ones we've seen recently um coco coco was very meta this one not so much this one is a story about a summer between two individuals discovering different discovering the the world of the other individual in other words luca discovering um alberto's world alberto right alberto's world and and then the two of them discovering discovering the world of 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 the village right but it was set in a specific time it wasn't this meta universe inside or outside it wasn't soul it wasn't mind it wasn't death and for that reason it was very charming um, I was bored probably the first 35 minutes through it. Like it set it up. It was very typical. The plot line was very, very much what I expected something like this to be. And I even sent you a text. I'm yeah. halfway through this and I'm bored. And you're like, I had a feeling that was going to happen. But almost as soon as I, I sent that text, it started to pick up. And um, we're going to get to some of the themes here in a little bit. But. It, it left me crying like a baby last like like the credits started to roll and normally like 
when I'm crying, like I'll cry at a part of the movie and I'll, I'll be good. But like after the credits rolled and I thought back what I had just watched, I actually got really emotional after. Oh, wow. I wow. um, and I'll talk about why, but yeah, um, yeah, no, we'll get to the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> uh, spoilers ahead, uh, you know, blanket spoiler warning on this podcast. But to answer um, your question, yeah, it, it definitely oozes Pixar, but I don't feel like it hit. It, it, it didn't hit me over the head like some of the, the Pixar movies of, of the last couple of years of trying to be very preachy in its message. Um, I don't think it did. No, and and I, I I like your point on how I actually didn't consider that as because because I was trying to think of what made this movie feel different, and I think you hit the nail right on the head. And it's in terms of like timeline of this story, it's a very small story. It is um, where it's two specific characters in this specific town and that's it there's no like and now we're traveling to here and now to here and away to this land and nope here we are <laughs> um yeah and and i i really enjoyed that and I, I mean charming cute quaint like i i all all those kind of synonyms are are perfect example of it to me of what how to best describe this movie I liked I liked the various arcs in the movie too. I feel like it was a very calm like I think the benefit of having a small story frame, a small time frame of just a summer, not even a summer. I mean it was really probably only a couple of weeks worth of time. The benefit of that though is that you had multiple arcs that felt complete. You had Luca's arc, you had Angelo's arc. Um you had the parents arc um you, you had um um the, the the female racers arc whose name is escaping me at the moment uh, uh julia's julia's arc yes. um you had julia's father's arc with alberto kind of becoming his adoptive father um and you 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 saw the arc of the bully kind of getting getting pushed to the side and kind of not being a bully anymore all of those things were layered enough that I, 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 I really felt um, by the end, by the end, um, you felt complete with them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. There wasn't, it, it didn't feel, it didn't feel flat. There's definitely been storylines uh, that, that you watch in movies where you go, I, I just didn't feel like that character arc landed. I just didn't feel like that went anywhere. Um, I, I, I feel like recently we talked about this. It may have been last week. I'm, I'm totally um, blanking. No, no. I mean, we talked, I think soul kind of had some of that. I think when yeah. we talked about soul. Um, but yeah, I, I just having such a compressed time period, you have the ability to complete each of those arcs. And I felt that it was, it was just really well done in that regard. Well, and outside of the fact of the whole, like, you know, the boys are sea monsters, the characters felt very authentic. Yeah. That they didn't feel like any fantastical. There was nothing fantastical about them. There was nothing. It just felt very normal. And that maybe is a weird thing to say. Not but a good way to put it. It, it didn't have I didn't have to necessarily suspend my my belief on that this was happening in a world where it was. Oh yeah, it's two friends who are hanging out in the summer and they have a crazy idea that they want to buy a Vespa and there's an annual race in a town. Um, you know, I've been I've been on a virtual European vacation with my residence at uh, the senior home that I work at. And 
the amount of weird festivals that Europe has and weird races and weird stuff that happens, like that's absolutely something that would go on in a tiny town that like a pasta company would uh, 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 hold a bike swimming and pasta eating race. Well, and, and the other thing I like about it too is that it's set in the 50s. Yeah. Like it's, it's set, it's a time, it's a time period piece, which means that unlike sometimes, and we've talked about this in the past with cartoon, with, with some of the animated movies or just movies in general, when you infuse too much pop culture, I think we talked about this with, um, uh, <laughs> we were talking about uh, the, 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 Roseanne one. Uh, uh, was home a, on the range. Yeah. We were talking about that, even though it really wasn't like taking place in a time period because it used a lot of pop stars of that time period. It felt aged. This is not going to have that. And because it was taking place in the fifties, you don't have to worry about it kind of losing its charm as it ages. Like it's already set as a period piece. And so it feels timeless in a lot of ways. Right. I think one of the things when it first came out, I had a criticism of this movie for that reason. That was Ralph breaks the internet Mm -hmm. that I think that movie over time, I think, I think wreck it. Ralph will be a more timeless classic, but I think Ralph breaks the internet makes too many specific internet references that in 50 years, People are going to go, whoa, this dates this movie where this this movie, like you said, it's timeless. You can show it again in 50 years and it's not going to it's not going to show its age. And even because they went with this different animation style that was less crisp, it can be more timeless because it that's kind of what it's supposed to be almost. Yeah, it um. I, I absolutely, and I, I think as I'm sitting here thinking about that, we've talked about this Tom, this 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 idea of being charming, uh, timeless, classic, right? I think of some buddy movies like that that, in my mind, when I think about, it, I, I I I smile. This actually has a very Sandlot feel to it. Oh, and I, it just came to me to think about it like that. You know, think about the Sandlot and um, the main character in the Sandlot. He moves to the new neighborhood. And he's kind of lost in his own little world of science fiction. Um, unlike uh, Luca and Sandlot, his mom wants him to get out and explore a little bit more. So he does. And he meets this group of ragtag kids, one of which is Benny, who kind of teaches them the way of this other, you know, how to loosen up a little bit. Right. And it's one of those movies you can just put on and you feel good and it's fun. And I, I think, you know, and, and when, you know, kind of transitioning to what the filmmaker for Luca, the director for Luca, who this was his, you know, debut film, kind of said, he goes, that's the kind of experience I had when I was in Italy. I, I, I was kind of this quiet child. I met this, my best friend whose name was Alberto. And he, he taught me to loosen up. He showed me a whole nother world that I didn't even knew it know existed. And, um, I think on a fundamental level, Matt, I, I, I can relate to that. It's, I can, it's really you know. what I like about um, what Disney has been doing recently is that they've been showing love in a way that isn't always romantic. Yeah. And and so I think this movie is a best friend love. And who doesn't have a best friend? That's yep. something that everyone can relate to of yep. having a best friend and even probably having a friend even if it's not a best friend but a really good friend that feels opposite personality 
to you that helps you loosen up that makes you feel more comfortable in social situations gives you permission to do something differently than the way that you've always done it i mean mine came to my you know my best friend gary came to me much later in life and i was in college when i met gary i was a sophomore in college i had had some bad experiences with friendships throughout high school and it took a very long time to trust and and gary kind of gave me the ability to open up and see the world through a different lens than the westland michigan lens that i grew up in um but i agree with you everybody ha- i don't want to say everybody i don't want to pe- you know peg everybody but a lot of people and i think that's what they were going for have have this experience have this ability to to relate to what luca was going through yeah and i uh and i have to say that you know i spend time on social media platforms people are really positive on this movie oh yeah they really like it and 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 so I, i you know with all of these you know soul and and luca and anything else that was released straight to disney plus you know, Raya, I think, kind of even can fall into this as well. You know, what happens to these movies? Are, are they are they know. flash in the pans because it? You know, we're in a pandemic, and so any kind of new content, we're like, yippee! Or you know, do these become timeless classics? I don't know. It, that's well, I think we could be in a new territory that maybe Disney hasn't explored in a while, hasn't explored for a very long time, which is, you know when you hear the term cult classic, you don't usually associate it a lot with Disney movies because Disney's been very protective of their IPs, very protective of how they release them, the vault, all that stuff. Yet, in at least this case, I could very easily see Luca becoming a cult classic like that. Raya, I think Raya actually has some potential to be infused into the parks. I see them hitting that one a lot harder than Luca, um, but Luca, I, I think, has the potential to be this this cult classic where they could, with enough energy, and, and, and the filmmakers and some of the, the, the actors have already said that they'd be open to this, they could potentially see a sequel. They're already talking that there could be a sequel to this about, about um, you know, Luca's adventures at school with Julia or, or you know, Alberto and, you know, his new adoptive father or whatever, right? So I agree with you. We're in very much uncharted territory right now you know yeah yeah and and it's 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 really fascinating honestly for my end because i don't have to make any decisions no. which is really great <laughs> i just get to sit back and relax and enjoy content and talk about it uh but it but it is it's so fascinating of what happens to these movies because you know when soul came out on christmas day it was one of the top watched things, yeah. um, you know, you know, broke streaming things. Oh, my gosh. People love this movie. Go see it. I don't hear anyone talking about soul anymore. Well, it's because we've had I mean, we have had the boom, the boom, the boom, the boom, the boom. It seems like an influx of movies nonstop. I mean, it, it used to be that Disney would release an animated classic every couple of years. You know, and then maybe maybe every you know every two years you know two years you get a Disney movie, two years you get a Pixar movie, two years now my god now it's Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar. Sometimes in the same year, you don't have enough time to digest it all. Um, it's funny I got into a I got into a debate with somebody. I got to stop doing this on Facebook. I got into a debate with somebody on Facebook <laughs> who was criticizing. Um, one of the remakes, I don't know, one of the, one of the remakes, and someone's like, 
Disney, they just ran out of creative ideas. They, they, they just keep reproducing the same stuff over again. They haven't done a, a, an original movie in forever. And I'm like, what are you smoking? Like, <laughs> what, like, what do you mean they haven't done an original movie? Ryan the Last Dragon, Soul, Luca. Those are three just in the last nine months that I can name. Do you want me to keep going? Moana, Frozen. Like, hello. Like, what are you talking about? They haven't done an original movie. Like, I get that some people are on this this whole remake sequel overload and there's a lot of stuff but disney i think has fine i think they've realized they don't have to produce this one thing that's going to appeal to everybody they can produce smaller things that appeal to different demographics i, I think frozen was a literally lightning in a bottle that will never happen again well, I think I think it will happen again, but who knows when? Exactly, exactly. And there's no formula that you can be like, oh, here's you know, if they do this, 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 and this with this storyline, boom, it's going to explode. I, mean, I think they, I think they tried to do that with Moana, and while Moana did great, it was nowhere near the Frozen level. I think they thought Moana was going to be the next Frozen. I think they thought with Frozen. Oh, we turned a chapter and now we can make these multi-blockbuster things. And we I mean, think about how much Moana product we had and in and, and how Moana was its own franchise for longer than most princess franchises. And then they realized it was great, but it wasn't frozen epic. And so they 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 folded Moana into the Disney Princess line. Yeah. And I and I guarantee you, I think Raya will probably find her way in there at some point too. Oh, she will. Um, um absolutely. And and that's okay. I mean, Moana is still a very successful franchise. Beauty and the Beast is still a very successful franchise. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, all of these franchises are fine. You're right. You know, Frozen is just, Frozen's an anomaly. Frozen's the one that if you're looking at a statistical sample, you get rid of it because it's the outlier and it's ruining all of your And and I would also argue at this point that Frozen, the Frozen mania has run its course. I think that there will always be people who love Frozen and Frozen has found its place, but I don't. You know, the, the, the generation, the group of kids that grew up on Frozen when it first came out. I mean, because that movie came out in 20, 2013 or 2013. Yeah, 2013. So we're talking eight years ago at this point, right? Oof. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so if you had an eight-year-old who loved Frozen, she's 16 now. I guarantee you she is not singing Let It Go in her bedroom. Well, maybe a karaoke, but um, <laughs> um, I, I guess the one thing that Frozen has the staying power of, and this is very personal for me, is because I have two girls. Yep. Absolutely, we are going to be getting into Frozen because I have an Anna and an Elsa. You're and... going to be getting into it, but it it's not going to be the epic level of merchandise shortages and no, no, lines. no, no. You know, it. it yeah, you're going to be getting you're like the second generation that's going to get into it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, it's definitely not going to be that kind of hysteria there, but I I'm fascinated for whatever the next one is, whether I, when I am it's, you know, in 2 years or 5 years or 50 years or when I'm 102 and almost dead and I could go I saw the I remember when Frozen <laughs> came out. Uh, and do you and, do you remember do you remember Tickle Me Elmo? I do remember Tickle Me Elmo. Do you remember the first iteration of Tickle Me Elmo or the second iteration of Tickle Me Elmo? 
I don't know. I just remember that Tickle Me Elmo was what people wanted. And so the, the first iteration of Tickle Me Elmo was like in the mid '90s, and it, it, it sold out everywhere. There were lines. There were people fighting over it. So ten years after Tickle Me Elmo came out, so this would have been Tickle Me Elmo was '95, I want to say. So, so the the second generation, the ten year anniversary edition of Tickle Me Elmo was 2005, and I was working for Target at the time. The secretive nature around when we were to put Tickle Me Elmo out. First of all, the boxes would come in, and we had very well. You know this with Disney, oh, yeah, we had very yeah. specific instructions about when we were allowed to open the boxes up, when we were allowed to put the product out. Um, people asked for it; we weren't allowed to go in back and get it. It came out at very specific, not like random times, and when it would come out. Within seconds, people would grab this stuff off the shelf, these Tickle Me Elmo secret 10-year anniversary editions, right? I only I only say that because, again, the hysteria that gets built up around some of these franchises, it is caused by supply and demand. And in Frozen's case, the demand was was self-inflicted because Disney, they were, I don't think they were betting on Frozen being this huge thing no. that it was. <laughs> So I know we're off track because we're talking about Luca, but okay. I want to, I want to move it back to Luca for a second because I want to talk about the themes around Luca. You did a really good job talking about how it is about best friends. However, being a member of the LGBTQ community, I got to talk about this for a couple of minutes because the LGBT community has, has seen and, and while it wasn't necessarily put in there on purpose, this is, what, what Luca struggles and goes through in this is is very resonant with what a person in the LGBT community actually goes through in accepting who they are and finding themselves. I went through this. Um, I mean, I've talked about my coming out story on, I think, on the pod before, but I want to just kind of move past that. After I came out, there was a, a huge resonance or a huge reticent, I think is the better way to put it, um, of who do I tell that I'm gay? Who do I tell, you know, how, how much of a, how much of a foot do I want to put in to the gay lifestyle? Like, do I go to a gay club? Do I go to a gay bar? Um, how do I meet someone who eventually could become a significant other? Right. These are things that as, as, as a heterosexual person, in a lot of ways, you know, heterosexual people take for granted. Right. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I, can, I can tell you because because I've never asked that question like, oh, I would just go to school or I just like, yeah, <laughs> I would just go to any normal place to try to find someone. Well, and I remember I remember telling my parents when I came out in 2005 and I told my parents, I remember very clearly saying to my family, I'm not going to be one of those gays that tells everybody they're gay. Like, that's what I that that <laughs> that's that's what I that's what I said. Sorry, mom and dad. No, that's what I said. And I remember saying to, to my my friends and family, you know, I, I'm going to be a straight acting gay, which, by the way, is a very offensive term. What does that even mean to be a straight acting gay? You're gay. You are who you are. Right. But for a lot of 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 gay people and LGBT people. There is this fine line of, okay, you're out, but are you out? And you, you know, you're being told by all these forces, you know, well, don't do this or don't go here. Or, you know, you know, maybe you should hold off. I, I mean, I remember when I took my job, when I worked at, uh, I was told by somebody, hey, you should probably keep the gay things under wrap. That was 2012. I was out at, for, at that point by seven years. Mm-hmm. So why do I bring all this up? 
first of all, this is a kids' movie. There's no sex. There's no sexuality in this whatsoever. So let's be very clear on that. But the themes on Luca discovering that he is a sea monster, but he can also be this other thing too, and he finds somebody who's like him, who basically extends his hand and says, "Come join me. Let me show you what this is all about." That is something that I think a lot of LGBT youth and into their 20s experience at some point. When they experience their first kiss, when they experience their first time in a club, their their, their, their first breakup with someone, right? Those are all things. I, I had someone in my life, J, my, my friend Jason, who I was friends with and um, uh, literally elementary school all the way. And we, we weren't friends in middle or high school. We reconnected post-college we both were we both were gay and he kind of showed me the ropes on how to how to be in the gay lifestyle that's what i felt as i was watching this movie i say all this because there's the point in this movie when luca betrays alberto oh, pecorino, that's the best idea ever yes of oh. course <laughs> piace trombetta uh julia your school does it take all kinds of people? I mean, what if some of them were not human? Alberto? What if some were, oh, I don't know, sea monsters? Sea monsters? I doubt your school would even accept sea monsters, right? Oh, <laughs> oh that's a weird joke, Alberto. Yeah, I know, it's kind of hard to imagine. So let me just show you. Oh. <gasps> Come on. Julia, wait. We don't have time to goof around. Huh? Ah! I don't know about you, but I lost it. I, I teared up thinking about it right now. Just that, that set being, I, I felt every dagger that Alberto had thrown at him by that betrayal by Luca. How did you feel? I mean, well, and how the scene is set, you feel those daggers. Oh. Um, so I, I am I am very much not uh, maybe I'm a soulless monster, but I'm very much not a crier at movies um, <laughs> like that. Just I mean, it hits me. I feel emotional weight, but it doesn't manifest itself in me in me crying. I think the only movie that I can really can like consistently say I cry at is Inside Out okay. um, like that. That one that it's that ending cool. scene with Riley and her parents just it gets me. It gets me every time. Um, and, but, but definitely that does not, that does not mean I did not feel that emotional weight where he's a, and because he's in his sea monster form, it, it feels more menacing and, um, how, yeah, how they had that scene and animated it was, was fabulous. Well, you, you, you hear it in Alberto's voice because you, you, Alberto takes the chance, like the whole, the whole way, the whole scene is set up. You think he's going to push. You think he's going to push Luca under the water, but he jumps into the water. 
thinking that Luca's going to follow him. And then Luca does what Luca does, and that look of betrayal. And I think what gets me in that scene is because I feel I feel Alberto, but I've also been on Luca's side. I have been Luca. I have, unfortunately, I have betrayed people like that. And and you know, you realize it after the fact. Like the second you do it, you go, "What have I done?" But that. I, I had to pause. I, I had to pause the movie at that point and kind of collect myself because I was just, it was just was so like, Oh my God. Um, you know, so then you, then we kind of move through the movie and when, when, you know, Luca decides to run the, you know, do the race by himself and whatever. And, and of course the rain starts. Right. And, you know, he's trapped underneath that canopy and you're like, okay, what's going to happen? How is this going to work? And you see the umbrella with Alberto coming. Like, and he's he's like I got you, you know I, you know, I'm coming for you. You don't have to do this. And then the, the way that whole end of the movie plays out, you know, before we get to the part of him going to school, but just the way the whole end of the movie plays out of him w- them winning the race and and how you know they get to the finish line, but then they go back and try to help Julia because Julia gets hurt. And it, again, you talked about it being all about friendship. That that's what this is. It's it's at the end of the day. They put all these differences aside, all these preconceived notions, all this old school thought aside, and in the end of the day, you just got three beings in front of you who care about one another. Yeah, and I thought there was going to be, you know, more of the tension of how do we hide that we're a sea monster, and that was there, but it wasn't as prevalent as I thought it was going to be, and I appreciated that because it allowed that whole theme of friendship to come forward and be mm-hmm. more at the forefront. And so then what I liked about it is the whole and – I, and I loved that the it's the seemingly menacing one-armed dad, fisherman, that is the first to step in and defend them. That, that, again, that that just goes to show you that it takes people of stature in a community of people people who you stereotypically would think believe one thing to recognize that change needs to happen. And, and again, taking it away from the LGBT part of it, just anything, anything <laughs> right now. I mean, you, you, this is an allegory. I mean, re, I, I looked this up on, on Wikipedia as I oftentimes do. Um, here's what it says. I'm just going to read this little snippet. Um, uh, Casarosa, who's the director, stated the movie as a celebration of friendship and a love letter to the summers of our youth, those formative years when you're finding yourself. Inspired by his childhood in Genoa with Luca based on himself and Alberto based on his best friend of the same name. Alberto pushed me out of my comfort zone, pushed me off of many cliffs, metaphorically and not. I would, I would probably would not be here if I didn't learn to chase my dreams from him. It's these types of deep friendships that I wanted to talk about in Luca. Now, that said, some have seen Luca and Alberto hiding their true sea monster identities as an allegory for people who are members of the LGBTQ plus community, feeling as though they need to hide their true selves in order to be accepted. Casarosa said this was unintentional and that his original vision for the film was to explore the time in his child's life before romance, which I think this film does a beautiful job of. Like, it it has no romance in it whatsoever. But he welcomed all the thoughts and interpretations, also stating, while I identify with pronouns of he and him, and I'm a straight man, the themes of diversity, acceptance, and inclusion in our movie are dear to my heart. Then one last part. Casarosa has stated that some people have interpreted the story as being a metaphor for refugees and immigrants as well. 
However, he admitted that this was unintentional too, but that he is welcome to all interpretations. We were aware making this movie that this was a wonderful journey of owning your identity and coming out with it, whichever that identity is. I thought that everyone would bring their own identity to it. And I think that's another reason why this movie touches so many people. Because what even, even me, a straight white male, has struggled with identity at some point in mm-hmm. some way, shape, or form. Absolutely. And and that's something we all. I think that's a very human thing to to try to figure out. I mean, whether it's uh, you know a child saying who am I, or I know I've had this where when I enter a workplace, you know, I've just started a new job here in the last six months. Who am I in this job? Yeah. What role do I play? What's my identity in this job? And now that's not quite as like a, I would I would argue that's not quite as a, a like a huge life changing thing, but it's still like trying to fit in. Like, Very much so. Like yeah. where 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 do I fit in in this workplace environment? And so I, I think that's what makes this movie so relatable. Take it. <laughs> Take it just to the the nerdum of being a Disney fan, or of any any particular genre of nerdum that you might have, or geekdom that you might have. We've had this conversation on the podcast before. That twenty years ago, before social media, really, you know, it wasn't seen as cool to to be a Disney fan if you were a white guy, you know, and and, and you were in high school. Ah, you know, you know, you get some some choice words thrown your way if you weren't a you know into sports like you know everybody else. Um, or, you know, I remember when I was in high school and, you know, I was, I, I, I'm a born again Christian. I've been a Christian since I was 12 years old and I'm not afraid to say it I, in high school. That's not exactly the coolest thing in the world. And I remember, I remember the first year I, I did see at the pole. And I don't know if you've ever done that before. See you at the poll for our listeners. See you at the poll is an expression typically the first or second week of school where Christians in the school um, will go to the flagpole and form a a circle around the flagpole and pray. And it's a way to kind of come out as a Christian that, hey, I'm a faith believer. I believe in, you know, Jesus Christ. And in high school, that's tough. You know, you you know, and you, 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 you. you get made a fun of for stuff like that, right? And so I think this movie just does such a fabulous job of we can relate to Luca being, you know, being in an identity that we're not quite comfortable with yet. But I think the other thing is, is you can also relate to being Alberto too. Yeah. Because at some point in time, you helped somebody else cross that bridge. Yeah, we've you all know? been we've all been a Luca and we've all been an Alberto. And then my favorite part of the whole movie is when those two old ladies turn into sea monsters at the end and they were there all along. And grandma says, yeah, I come in on the weekends all the time. Like you suddenly realize that this has been, this is normal. This has been a thing all along, but it's society who's created all these stupid structural rules that have made it to where you can't. You know, you can't yeah. just be you, you know? Yeah. Well, and and so I, I want to touch on the ending here where it takes the smallness of the story and starts to extend it out. But I, I loved how they ended this movie. Oh, 100%. Where it's Luca getting to do what he wanted to do and go off to school. And it's Alberto getting a family, which yeah. is what he was lacking. Uh, yep. You know, he was on his own. And now he's found a place somewhere where he can have a home and him running after Luca on the train. And uh, again, just it's the sacrifice 
because they could have wound up together as friends and just spent their time together as friends. I mean, you know, like Luca, Luca could have said, you know, Luca could have stayed back or Alberta could have been selfish. And, you know, because, you know, in the movie, he is kind of selfish. He doesn't want Luke. He wants Luca all to himself. Right. Which, again, is a feeling that I can tell you I felt mm-hmm. before. I mean, how many of us have had that best friend and then suddenly they become friends with somebody else and you have that feeling of jealousy? Oh, my God, I have been there. And and you have it's it's so relatable. But that that moment of him running, it's just it, that was his sacrifice to give Luca a better chance. And here's the thing, and here's what I love about this: there's a chance that Luca outgrows Alberto, because that yeah. happens. That's life. Yeah. Think about your best friends from elementary school. Are you friends with all of them still? Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> so shout out to Mark and Henry, who I have absolutely been friends with since sixth grade. Okay, that's <laughs> but, but, great. But, but for the most part, no. Like I, the people that I went to school with, I don't talk yeah. to a lot. I, I have I have my childhood friends who I grew up with. Um, you know, my neighborhood friends who are dear friends. They are family to me. But we see each other once every three or four years, right? We're not together all the time same with my college friends i love my college friends i gary's my best friend i've i when eventually i get married my brother will be my best man he's going to be my secondary best man i mean like you know he's a brother to me i I, but in the same regard we live different lives right now we're not together all the time because life happens you you outgrow these moments in your life right and i think I, i just i really really wish i could see how this would have performed in the theaters. Yeah. Because I feel like you have no, there's really no, and I mean, I guess I could dive into some streaming numbers, but there's no, like how this money, you know, how much money it made now because it wasn't premier access, no idea. I suppose you could probably, there's probably information of like time streamed and that would give you an idea. Yeah, actually there is. Um, Hold on. I will, I will tell you here. According to Nielsen's rating, following its opening weekend, Luca became the most watched content on Disney Plus with a 1.57 billion minutes of viewing time in its first days on streaming. Nielsen reported that the movie topped the weekly streaming top 10 list for the June 14th through 20th week, ranking no- number two uh, against uh, b- behind TV series Manifest on Netflix. The film continued to play well in subsequent weeks, logging 1.15 billion minutes of viewership between July 21st and 27th wow. equal to 1.2 million total watches. So, I mean, I mean, you can't really equate that to box office numbers because no. you know, how many people are watching it because they're paying for Disney plus versus how many people would have actually gone to see it again in the theater, it, but it holds a 90% rotten tomatoes rating with I'm, 270 reviews, a 7.3 out of 10 from critics. That's, that's huge. It, it's I, I really think that for being a movie where really not a lot happens in terms of like your actiony and like try, if you were to try to describe the plot to to someone, you'd be like, well, it's it's like two friends just hanging out in the summer. It'd be like, well, why do I want to see that movie? <laughs> um, but it it you watch it, and you just go, wow, this. This this just blows me away. I, I I guess maybe I did I came in with it being like, all right, it's a Pixar movie. It's going to be good because it's Pixar and I like Pixar. But I, you know I, I'm going to set my expectations at that, and then I'm watching it and just like, whoa. The real question will be, does it have rewatchability? Like you've watched Ryan the Last Dragon three times. Have you watched Luca more than once? I have uh, okay. similar similar amount. Okay. Uh, so about- you know, 
it'll be interesting because it's for me and again this is where pixar goes pixar is very heavy in a lot of a lot of its movies I would absolutely watch this movie again, but I've got to be in the right headspace to do it. Yeah, to me, this is very much falls under Wally for yes. me, where yes. where I love Wally. I think it's a great movie. I got to be in the right mood in order to watch it. This is not my just like flip it on and 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 watch it because I've had a I've had a long day at work. Yeah, where Raya, you could Raya, yeah, you absolutely. could flip on no problem. So. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, no final thoughts on Luca, but I do have one more thing before, we, before we leave. So um, I got a shout out to make. Um, mm-hmm. And this is the first time that I've ever done this on, on the pod in terms of this kind of shout out. So um, listener of the pod, uh, uh, Tim Schultz. So Tim, if you're listening to this episode, which um, I hope you are, uh, uh, thank you for being a listener. But uh, Tim uh, is a very, very good photographer. Photography is his thing. And he has just started an Instagram account. It is set your blasters to stun with underscores all under them. And what he does is he takes photos of Star Wars scenes with miniatures and they look awesome. And then in Fun. each of the and each of the posts, he gives a little behind the scenes of how he set up the shot to to make this really really cool uh, picture. And so um, I want to sh- go if you are on Instagram and like Star Wars, that's uh, set your blasters to stun. We'll throw this up in the Facebook group and I'll post on it on Instagram and Twitter as well. It's a really, really cool account. Uh, um, and his photography is great. So, Tim, thank you for listening and thank you for putting out this wonderful, wonderful content. It's super cool. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, if you want to see that content, we're going to post it on our social. So if you want to get a hold of us as we close up the show tonight, uh, you can do so by finding us on Facebook at Beers and Ears Podcast. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beers Ears 1928. Feel free to email us at Beers and Ears 1928 at gmail.com. We love getting listener mail. Let us know how we're doing. Um, feel Please make sure you subscribe if you haven't done that already and rate and review us. Let us know how we're doing. Give us five stars. That helps us in the, the rankings as people go to search for us. So uh, we've got a couple more episodes coming up. I know we've got um, uh, a review of the top 10 Disney resorts coming up here. If that's not next week, the week after, I think. Uh, we got a Diz Games listener challenge coming up, which we probably got to get on. We're going to have. I think that's next <laughs> we're week. We're really on top of I things. Think we, I think that's next week. We got to think about <laughs> who that's going to be. And then we've got a mailbag episode coming up after that where we're going to do some questions. So we'll start to get some of that out on our socials. That said, Matt, when we're done, we have to talk about how we're going to start thinking about new shows because we only got three like, shows left. Like, we got we to gotta come with some ideas next week, probably. Yes, we and, and we're going to be in like Halloween, Thanksgiving, yeah. Christmas. Like, we're going to be planning out those episodes yikes oh man i will tell you well i already know one of them will be on disney on disney on the spot <laughs> so because yeah, that'll be too. happening that'll be probably happening when i'm in disney world i'll have to figure that one out so um okay anyway let's raise our glasses this episode, this episode has been on us yes we will see you all next time thanks everybody and uh, how do you say bye in italian i don't even know how to arrivederci uh, uh, isn't it arrivederci bye in italian uh, ciao. Oh, ciao. Okay. Ciao, everybody. Ciao. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.